I want to throw a, a question out there uh, for, for you to discuss with the person next to you, or you can shout to the person in the back if you want to. Um, you, like we've said before, you can be in groups of two or 20. Um, uh, we can probably only have two and a half groups of 20, is what I'm guessing right now. So uh, what is your favorite mountaintop view here in Marin? Everybody's got to have one of those, right? It, you might have a hard time narrowing it down, but uh, if you could climb a mountain, what would be one of them? So just go ahead and discuss that with some people around you. You might need to introduce yourself, uh, but discuss that. So some of your favorite mountaintop views. I want you to kind of keep that in mind with what, um, what we're going to read this morning. If you got a Bible um, or you want to pull out your cell phone, open up your cell phone, what's the, I don't know what the new way, way of saying that is. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 125. It's, it's a shorter psalm. It was one of the lectionary readings this week that really stood out to me. And uh, we're just going to kind of camp out with this for just a few minutes. And we'll have an opportunity to, uh, in a hands-on kind of way, respond if you choose to do that. Psalm 125 is included with a, a group of psalms known as Songs of Ascent. And it's believed that as, um, as God's people who did not live in Jerusalem um, uh, would make a pilgrimage, probably three times a year for some of their festivals, uh, they would sing these songs of ascent, these psalms, as a, as a part of their journey to Jerusalem. Uh, the, the road that they would ascend to Jerusalem would kind of have its own, um, I'm sure, its own meaning to it. There would be um, mountains that, that surround Jerusalem that uh, we're going to talk about in just a moment, but these the songs of ascent were things that uh, when they would go on pilgrimage, this, this would prepare their heart. Uh, instead of just kind of showing up and saying, okay, now what are we here for? This was they prepared themselves along the way. And in, in many respects, it was the journey itself that was so meaningful, um, not just the destination. So I, I had a chance, uh, Beth and I did in 2010, to pilgrimage to Israel. Um, and some surrounding areas there. We went with a, a church group. There was about 30 of us and uh, we, uh, from Tampa, and we, we left, and it was a, something that uh, was just kind of a, a lifelong, this is on my bucket list kind of a thing to do. And a part of it was I, I was blogging each day uh, for just kind of my way to process some things and also to invite people on to this journey that it, uh, that couldn't. So I'm going to read uh, two of those blog entries, just, just one of them for now. Um, a pilgrimage is a journey taken to a holy place for religious purposes. I mentioned this definition to say that I'm sitting in the Tampa airport beginning a pilgrimage to Israel along with 30 others from church. I'm pretty excited about it. My plan is to daily blog from our stops along the way, places like Jerusalem, Petra, the Sea of Galilee, and Newark, New Jersey. I, I want to let you in on a secret. Any place can be a holy place. To make pilgrimage to holy places doesn't require expensive airfare. Uh, the only requirement is opening your eyes to the sacred found in the everyday and the mundane. I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity 
to walk the same roads that Jesus walked, to kneel and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, to imagine hearing the invitation, follow me from the Galilean shoreline. But I also know that I have been extremely blessed to meet with Jesus in a coffee shop at the corner of Kennedy and Albany, to sense his nearness in a cool breeze while driving along Bayshore Boulevard, to feel his embrace through the squeezes and neck hugs from my kids earlier today. Life itself is a sacred journey, a pilgrimage, when we look for God along the way. We are on a journey. In fact, um, I would say everyone here is on some type of a journey, some type of a pilgrimage. Even if you have only lived in Marin your whole life, you are still on a pilgrimage. In fact, I would say um, you're more of a pilgrim than a resident in many respects. We have this opportunity um, to, to, to enter into a journey um, and it's, it's kind of think of it as a quest. And so the, the question is not, are you on a journey? I believe the real question is whether your journey is sacred. Are you noticing God along the way and how he um, is with you? So I want you to imagine, we're gonna, gonna try and set the scene a little bit for Psalm 125. Um, I want you to imagine that you are with the Israelites taking this pilgrimage. You're with a group of people. Uh, you're not by yourself. This is not something that you would typically do by yourself. You're with um, your family, your extended family, and your friends who are like family. So imagine just a, a, a big group of you. Um, I would think that the road and the trails that you've been walking are very much like the trails on the favorite mountains that you were just describing, probably very dry and dusty, maybe a little bit more rocky than what we have here. And I would think just like any journey, it's, it's a combination of expectation and exhaustion, laughter and lament and hope and fear. And you've been on this journey for several days and now you're to the point where you have one more climb and you know from the top of this mountain that you're about to ascend that you will finally be able to see your destination. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. For then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. So this psalm, just like your journey, begins with trust. So I want us to kind of take a, um, a little walk through this psalm and then we'll ap apply it to our life. Um, it begins with trust. Verse 1, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And this particular form of trust um, kind of gives the impression of, of being in a hurry, but like a, a good hurry, like a, something urgent, but you know it's a good thing. Um, it, the first picture I had was kind of, imagine a, a kid in his bed 
and uh, it's a storm outside, thunder strikes, that kid jumps up out of his bed, bolts into parents' room, gets under the covers with them for that refuge. Kind of just that, that quick and sense of urgency type of trust. It was a journey that led that kid on out of trust. Um, and so if we're going to take uh, one, a little bit about this uh, Mount Zion. Zion means castle, and it was a specific location within Jerusalem. It was where uh, David, uh, King David first made his home when he lived in the city. You can kind of think of it as the heart of the city. But throughout scripture, Zion is used uh, to refer to Jerusalem as a whole. And uh, so from the very beginning, this place, Jerusalem, was God's chosen place of presence and power here on earth. And it was designed to stand the test of time. As that verse says, it cannot be shaken but endures forever. Verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. So you have Mount Zion, this built-up area for Jerusalem, but it's not the highest place. It's surrounded by mountains that are higher. Um, the one that we might be most familiar with is the Mount of Olives, where Jesus spent a lot of time. Um, and so basically what this is describing here is this, this place um, among these mountains, and it was a picture for the Israelites that, that of security and safety and stability. It was kind of like God drew a circle around his people with those mountains. Now, um, those mountains were not, um, were not such that they were insurmountable. Enemies could climb them, did climb them, and invade. But the, the idea was that um, if they were going to get to Jerusalem, they'd have to go through those mountains. And this psalm is kind of saying um, God is surrounding his people. Imagine him wrapping his arms around his people. And he's saying, if you want to get to Jerusalem, you got to go through those mountains. If you want to get to my people, you have to go through me. And it's this picture of, of loving protection. But there was also in this, um, this, was not, this was not just kind of a, a blanket protection. Uh, but there was a responsibility, a task, if you will that the people of Israel were responsible for, and it was faithfulness and obedience. Um, the task for them was to abide in God's love. If, if God has got his arms around them, um, it says uh, later in the psalm, don't take the crooked path. In other words, don't be hell-bent on destruction is really kind of what that's saying. Don't, don't try and wander out of this circle because this, this is where you were made to abide in this circle is my presence and my love. Um, John chapter 15 says, Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and abide in his love. And then verse 4 of this 125th Psalm says, Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright 
and heart. And so we see that the, the Lord's concern is um, for his people, but I want to be a little bit more specific. The Lord's concern is for the spirit and the soul of his people, first and foremost. Um, there was a mistake that was repeatedly made, and uh, Jeremiah was one of the prophets that addressed it. And the people had this mindset, um, uh, the Israelites had this mindset that they could just act however they wanted, um, that this blessing of God was theirs no matter what, and they, they lost sight of that task of faithful obedience and abiding. And for God's promise today, it's very much the same. And this is more, um, this is different than just uh, the good of, of a physical protection. It's a protection of our spirit and our soul, the, the, the core of who we are. And um, Paul says to the Romans, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So think of it this way, in all things God works for the good of those who take on the task of faithful obedience and abiding in his love. Now the thing with goodness, when we think of, okay, so what's gonna be good in this situation? How is God gonna bring goodness to me in this? Um, the challenge that we have is um, we don't see end results. And we can be a little nearsighted when it comes to goodness. Our focus is often too short which leads us to judge goodness more by immediate circumstances rather than the end results, which is something that only God can see. But when we trust, and there's that word trust again, um, as we abide in him, that as we call on him to surround us with his love, all things will be good. He cares for our soul, for our spirit. So this is the, the picture of him wrapping himself around, coming around his people. It's the promise that he offers for those of us today as we trust in him and as we remain and we abide in him. Um, one of the, uh, on our pilgrimage, when we were in Israel, one of the bigger days that I was anticipating was the day that we would get to walk the Via Dolorosa. And that means the way of the cross and as best as scholars can tell, and there's some dispute on this, but it was the path that Jesus walked when he carried his cross to be crucified. And so that day arrived, and uh, the plan was that we will walk as best as we know that same path. Um, it will culminate in what they refer to as um, where the garden tomb is, which is where some people believe that Jesus was laid to rest for those three days and it was also from that place that we could see Golgotha um, the hill that they believe that Jesus was crucified on and so my blog entry that day uh, was this we made our way down a small slope before before turning right and heading up and out of the city this is the traditional way of the cross what I expected to be a contemplative and sobering walk quickly became a battle. We were flanked on both sides of this narrow stone street with Arab shops, and we also found ourselves swimming upstream and uh, swimming up a stream of people. Actually, it felt like a tsunami. Our departure 
was at the same time when thousands of Muslims were walking towards the Temple Mount for a special Friday prayer at their mosque. Because of the crush of people, I stayed in the back of our group and I walked with Vern. Vern is an amazing and vibrant 85-year-old who traveled with our group for those two weeks. The sometimes steep climb was very challenging, but Vern was determined. A few stops to lean on a wall or sit on a rock were necessary breaks. Several times on the Via Dolorosa, I wiped wet tears from my eyes, not from imagining Jesus carrying his cross, but rather from the optimism exhibited by Vern. Vern was married for 56 years. I refer to his marriage in the past tense because it was exactly one year ago to the day that his wife passed. So there we were on the one year anniversary of his wife's death, slowly making our way to an empty tomb. That empty tomb was a source of joy for Vern today. He talked about the hope that he had. That was our conversation the whole way. So we're gonna wrap up with a, a mini pilgrimage this morning. I wanna invite you on this. This is, you don't have to do this, but I in, invite you to consider it. Um, before our pilgrimage um, leads us to the communion table, um, you'll see that there is a, a table here with, um, with a bowl of water. Uh, you will need for this journey, um, hopefully, you, did you get one of these? Go ahead and pull that out. Do you have a pen? We're going to distribute some pens. Let me ask you this question. Through life, as you are journeying through life, what cares or concerns are heaviest to you right now? What cares or concerns? Uh, what fears? What maybe anxieties? Um, what are the things that are worrying you? What are the things that keep you up at night? What are the things that make your heart race? What is it that you, know, you just get that, that pit in your stomach? Now, what I want you to do is imagine the Lord standing on a ridge encircling and surrounding your life. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and for, forevermore. And the circle on your small square paper, kind of think of it as an aerial view. You abiding and trusting and walking in faithful obedience. You're inside that circle. What is it that's been attacking you? What are those fears? What are those anxieties? Around the outside of the circle, I want you to write what those fears and anxieties are. Beth and I were talking about this last night. I asked her, what would you write outside that circle? What is it that you are struggling with? What kind of fears do you have? And it opened up a conversation between the two of us. Um, and I talked to her about one of my fears is failure. I fear failure. Um, I fear letting people down. I fear getting to the end of my life and looking back 
and realizing I could have done more. Um, I have health concerns. Right now I'm healthy, but knowing the medical history of my mom and my dad kind of makes me wonder what might be around the corner. So I ended up writing health concerns and failure and not enough. And what I want you to do is to bring your piece of paper if you feel more comfortable folding it in half and drop it in this bowl of water. And I'm just going to say right now, um, this is a real cheesy illustration, okay? Can we, can we embrace the cheese? Um, embrace the cheese. So the paper you wrote on is water-soluble. So when it goes into this bowl, it dissolves. It goes away. So what I want you to picture is that you are trusting in the Lord with those fears. And what if your fears are God-soluble? Would you let those fears dissolve in God's presence this morning? It doesn't mean um, that the things that you fear go away, but God can dissolve the fear of those things so that you can walk in peace. So when you're ready, you can make your way up here, place your paper in the bowl, and then I'm going to uncover our communion elements. So just kind of in, in one journey, uh, you can grab the bread and dip it in the cup. You can grab one of the prepackaged elements of communion. Uh, but this will be your time. Um, as, you, as you feel ready, you can begin uh, your journey. The thought struck me that um, I'm glad we are inside that circle together. That is, that is an awesome thought. It's, it's not just me trying to figure this out with God. We, as a family, stand beside each other. And that's, you know, it's kind of bearing each other's burdens. Maybe, maybe some of the fears I named are different than yours, but we band together and we remind each other, why worry? We encourage each other to stand in God's love together. Verse 5 of this psalm ends with, it's almost like if, if you've been on a hike and you finally get to your destination, it's like that sigh of relief. Like, oh. This is what it says. Peace be on Israel. It's like a sigh of relief. Peace. Rest. Jerusalem the, the word Jerusalem means teachings of peace. Jerusalem. Shalom be on Israel. So it's almost like um, that Aaronic blessing, the priestly blessing in number six. It's like a, a, a concise way of saying that when, when you say peace be on Israel. And so I want to just close with that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom. Amen. Amen. Have a great Labor Day.